I think that if we had better understanding of this is what you do to be a, a healthier individual, we won't be in the crisis that we're in where everybody's afraid and sick. This is your host, Doc Schrock, and this is Life Alive. Let's dip into the how and why healing stories can transform lives and the time in history when it matters most. Know this, it doesn't matter how you started in life, it matters how you restart today. Together, we will reawaken our hope, purpose, and passion to tell the greatest healing story of all time. Today on the Life Live podcast, I have Jim Chester. He's a world-renowned chiropractic advocate and chiropractic documentary film director who has made two feature films on the profession and have shown them across the world in France, Spain, Mexico, England, and Wales. There's not a day you can check your Facebook without seeing them pop up in your newsfeed. He now runs the world's number one podcast in chiropractic, Cairo Hustle, and now he's launching his latest digital project, product with teaches chiropractors to 10x the amount of patients they schedule with different sales strategies. But at the end of the day, he's just a kid from Iowa who loves his mom. Welcome to the show, Jim. Hey, Doc. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So tell me a little bit about how you got into the chiropractic profession, but you're not a chiropractor. Yeah. Um, some people would you know, I get emails all the time, Dr. Jim, and uh, messages about, you know, chiropractic from people actually looking to see how they can get uh, me to find them somebody that can take care of somebody in a different city or state. So it's always been interesting. Uh, I grew up in Davenport, Iowa. And for all of your listeners out there that might not know this, that's where the profession of chiropractic um, had its uh, beginning. And I didn't actually even know what Palmer College was like most of my life until I was 16 and I got injured playing high school football and my athletic trainer uh, said hey you should probably go get an x-ray on your shoulder so I went over to Palmer and um, my mom went with me because I was 16 and they there the chiropractic college was like hey um, Patricia we will uh x-ray his shoulder but would you mind if we also checked his spine too so they uh, did some x-rays on my spine and my shoulder and um, ever since then I got more knowledge of what chiropractic was and I didn't really understand chiropractic probably like many people out there I just knew that when I got adjusted I felt better so that's kind of the the story of how I got to know what chiropractic was and I think a lot had to do with me growing up in the uh, Davenport Iowa and do you remember when you had your first encounter with a chiropractor, just in layman's terms or from what you remember being a, a young kid, do you remember what their explanation to you was or how you understood it, just being a new client? Um, I really, you know, it's it's hard. For, I mean, I'm 41 going on 42 right now, so it's really hard for me to, like, recall back to 16 years old. I just know that um, I was an athlete and, you know, once an athlete, always an athlete. So I, I was a very active athlete at that point, though, playing soccer and football and baseball and wrestling. So I was multi-sport. And they basically let me know that if I got adjusted, that it would make me uh, perform better. So 
I looked at it as it would give me an edge for athletic performance. Gotcha. And was that your, has that been your experience since then? Well, you know, we, we don't live in a perfect world and uh, we're constantly thrown into different types of turbulent um, forces, whether they be crashes or, um, you know, injury or something, you know, I think that the world's full of uh, opportunities to need chiropractic. So I don't know. It's, it's an interesting question you ask, but I, I really think that over time, I just realized that it made me feel better, like from my first adjustment. So chiropractic is, as some will say, chiropractic is a lifestyle. And I, I kind of, that's kind of how I thought about chiropractic as I became more educated in, in the profession is it's not about feeling better. It's about healing better. Mm. And I think that a lot of times when people think of chiropractic, they really don't understand it because chiropractors just make the body um, easier to adapt to any type of stressor. And the more consistent that you're checked and adjusted, the better off you'll be. So I just see it from a whole different angle these days. Sure. And um, before we get into your healing story today, tell us a little bit, fast forward a little bit. And since you had a, an experience as a client and you've enjoyed the benefits of functioning better, how did you come to want to be in the profession to help other chiropractors with uh, being the co-founder of Cairo Hustle? Can you tell us a little bit about what you do with your company and what your, what your work consists of? Yeah. You know, I, I think I got my degree in marketing and journalism back in 2002 and I really thought I was going to change the world being a journalist and, you know, cover um, major sports and maybe do travel journalism later in my career and travel around the world and work for cool magazines and stuff like that. Anyways, um, fast forward, you know, whatever, 20 years, magazines rarely exist anymore. Um, sports are a mess right now. And as I was in the newspaper industry, I realized that there wasn't a whole lot of truth into any level of journalism. And it was just whoever paid the bills for the, the printing company and the distribution company, which was the, the name that was that signed the checks, um, they weren't really affiliated with news. And they were just, uh, I, don't, I don't even know what they were actually doing except for creating stories of sensationalism, whether it was the deal with sports or whether it was the deal with daily news. And um, I just kind of fell out of love with the profession of journalism and it wasn't until I got into chiropractic that I actually started to want to reuse my tools and to really fall, fall back in love with storytelling. And that's why I got into documentary film because no one was really in charge except for me and it was my story. And that's why I really got involved with podcasting because it wasn't anybody else's story but my story. And, and I found that there was real truth in chiropractic and for as misunderstood of a profession that it may be and it comes off as sometimes, I wanted to go take a deep dive and really understand the chiropractor who now we've, I mean, I've in the past three years, I've uh, done over 800 interviews specifically on chiropractic. 
and produced two films in the past five years, documentary films. So I just took a deep dive and really got to know the profession well. And uh, I enjoyed the journalistic aspect of telling the chiropractic story. So I guess that's kind of the, the uniqueness behind what Cairo Hustle is and filmmaking means to me and journalism means to me and how I kind of see the future of what we're involved with is just being able to create more stories of uh, impact that I believe in. And I think that at the end of the day, truth matters. And right now, as you know, the, the world is full of confusion and half-truths and no-truths. So I tell the truth about chiropractic every day. Mm, and I thank you. It's just me being in the profession. I, I really appreciate what you do. And just to let our listeners know, you, you mentioned two documentary films. One is called Chiropractic, the D- Documentary. And instead of like going through, they can go and you know watch it. Uh, for themselves. There's actually also a 15 minute um, free version that they can get a clip of or a preview of it on YouTube and then also watch the the full length film. But I, I'm really interested just in your telling us uh, the journey in what it was like to share that film with people. What was the response that that you saw in in seeking this truth and taking a deeper dive into a subject that is sometimes misunderstood? How did people respond? Well, you know, first and foremost, I was surveying the landscape of uh, documentary, and I realized that there was a void of documentary on chiropractic. So I thought I was going to, you know, really hit the marketplace with something that was uh, really never done and not done by me specifically. And I was looking around to see what kind of information was actually out there. And at this point, it was very limited. And I just realized that if we told the story of a narrative from me kind of being like the creator, but interviewing and following storylines within the profession, it would definitely help people understand what chiropractic was um, and is. So I really believe that people get a chance to have a looking glass into the history of chiropractic. They get a chance to look into the history uh, of healing through when it was founded to where we are today. So I I just, you know, overall it was well received. Um, And like I said, there was just, a position there where I knew people were really into documentary film and I really, I I saw them, the, the trend going to health and wellness films as well. So if I could make a documentary on a health and wellness art of chiropractic, then I was going to really uh, hopefully give people an educational resource, which it has been. It's in many libraries of chiropractic colleges across the the world. And um, we featured it, to uh, as many audiences as we could reach when we when we uh, released it, but you know the, the other the other thing, Dr. Ryan, I think people should know is to make a documentary film. It's not about how much money you spend; it's about how intentional you are with your content. And if you have, tell us more about that. Yeah. So the intention behind the content is what what type of craftsmanship and education you have, and I teamed up with a filmmaker 
His name's Luke Millette. We've been working together for a decade now. And he's he's the filmmaker and I'm the storyteller. So between the two of us, we both produce Cairo Hustle together now. And I really believe that it's not about, it's never been about the money to us. It's been about the positioning with our story. And I'll tell people this time and time again, it doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank account or how much uh, riches that you possess, the person with the greatest story is the most valuable. Mm. So I just, I started to really understand that stories mattered more than anything else in this world. And that's really why I wanted to make films and do podcasts and interview people because the story is so much, there's so much value in documenting anything because we're going to look back 20 years from now at this interview and people are going to be able to see a snapshot of a day in the life of Dr. Ryan and Jim. And I think that that's the more powerful part that people don't really like focus on is what it takes to actually make the connection to bring something of value. And everybody's worried about like what they can save or how much it's something cost. And I really think that people need to look at like, what is the value of the story and what is the value of doing meaningful work? And so many times people get a job, I think, and they just like think that showing up is the most important thing in the world and making money is the most important thing in the world, but they sell their body out. They sell their relationships out. And before they know it, they have an empty castle with no good stories except for a day of work that they didn't like. So Mm. I just look at life from a whole different perspective. Yeah. And I, and I appreciate you um, telling us a little bit about our, your backstory, because I think oftentimes uh, people, they are chasing some sort of dream, like you're uh, chasing this journalism dream. And really what I appreciate about you is that you're a seeker, you're a seeker. And that's what type of people I want to reach in, in my podcast as well is the it is all about the the healing stories in the podcast and to heal and grow and to find our flow in life in our own stories and sometimes it takes another story to stoke our own fire so i really appreciate how it, you really were tracing a, a dream that you didn't even know yet you thought it was journalism but you also you know never really gave up on that you just made it your own as you went through life. And, and I, that's what I appreciate about you um, spreading stories of impact is that it is about the story. What, what to you is so powerful about the story to real life versus like doing an experimental study or a scientific study or something in a laboratory that's um, simulated? What, what is about the story that connects with, with the, the masses? I, I mean, I, I look at it as all the way back to like etchings and like the cave walls. And I look at it as all the way back to like the etchings and the scrolls of our, you know, history. I just think that even biblical, like stories of impact are the things that carry on with the narrative of culture. And if we don't tell the story about chiropractic, then someone else will make one up. And, I always believe that the chiropractor knows the truth of their own story. So why not get it from them? And as I went to, you know, journalist 
you know, I was assistant editor of the college newspaper. And as I went through, I, I, I wanted to keep people's stories as integral as I could to their craftsmanship. And I really believe right now we just live in like a 30 second snapshot of story. And you have to really have something impactful for people to um, grasp onto. And where we are today is a whole different world. You know, back in my college days, we were doing desktop publishing and, you know, learning early development of uh, websites. Mm -hmm. And now you can create a website on your phone. (laughs) Yeah, we've we've come a long way pretty fast. And now if you want somebody to, you know, read a newspaper, it's taboo because they don't print them anymore. You know, it's, you know, like if you ask like a, a five-year-old or a six-year-old if they ever seen a newspaper, they might not. So um, the journalistic, you know, platform that I'm from is I was a part of one of the first ever um, we, um, digital website newspapers. Um, when, when that was like a f- we were first coming into like the world of like making, uh, taking, going from print to uh, digital. And uh, I think that I'm a part of that culture that got a chance to see how the story shifted from being on a print basis to a digital basis. And I think today we're just moving light years beyond it. And, you know, now the story is a picture with like animated text over top of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, who knows what the next thing will be, but, I think that right now we're at a we, we need people with old school tactics like me to bond with the generation Zers and the millennials and uh, really teach them what journalistic approach is and, and really learn the new techniques with them. And I, I, I look at you know what we're capable of doing going forward as a real team effort. And uh, yeah, I, I don't discount anyone's knowledge. I think that the more that we understand that we're more alike than we're different, we'll be better off. But I, I do think that the story is still something that's very valuable to this culture. We just need to uh, find trusted resources for it. Sure. And that is exactly where I was going to go with that. With your experience and with the uh, divisive narrative that is happening right now in our world, do you have any tips of advice for listeners of how to try to find their own truth amidst this um, this culture where it seems like you said, like journalism is just a it's sensationalized story and it's not necessarily to grab truth or to investigate truth, but to capture someone's attention and tell them the story that they want to hear. So how, how does someone navigate that, especially right now with, uh, you know, this uh, coronavirus stuff going on? Well, I appreciate the question, number one. Um, number two, um, I might not give you the answer that you're looking for, but I'll give Real. I'll give I'll give people I'll give people what they might need. So there's this this tactic in marketing. Um, give people what they want and sell them what they need. And I believe that that's really what I'm gonna tell people today is I'm gonna give them what they want and sell them what they need. So I'll tell people this. Personal responsibility is the most important thing you can have right now in this very confused um, media-driven society. And 
number one, just turn the TV off, um, read books, get outside, do nature driven things. Like you like to run, go out there, run. I like to hike. I like to do yoga. Um, just learn more about yourself and have some personal responsibility. Um, I think James Chestnut, he's a, a phenomenal chiropractic voice. And he started a movement a few years ago called Eat Well, Be Well, Move Well. And I think that if people use that type of uh, stability in their, their life right now, they'd be a lot better off. And the thing that James left out, though, is he should have started with the adjustment and get adjusted, then eat well, think well, move well. And what I've done is I, I've joined a group of uh, um strong men called men of iron and um we basically figured out ways to biohack ourselves with intention and physical activity and with uh connection and with business so we practice something called the core four and each day you get a score of four points and it's it's pretty impactful you get a half point for um different aspects of body being balance and business and just to help people out a little bit, I think that they can use some of these tools to help themselves navigate and have personal responsibility. And first things first is do something to move your body. Um, exercise is important. Um, you get a half point for for half of your body point is um, some type of physical activity. It could be 25 push-ups to a marathon. It could be a, a yoga class for 30 minutes to um, weight training for an hour. I mean, it could be a Tabata training to a, a swimming laps. Like just whatever it is that means something to you, do it. And then you get a half point from eating something green or drinking something green. So you got to take care of your body. So as, as you complete body, that gives you one point on the day. Um, being, which is the human being, you're going to get a half point for prayer meditation, journaling, or affirmations. So then you get two points for your day. And then it comes into balance, which is you're going to send a message or a call or connect with somebody in your circle. It could be your loved ones, a significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, um, colleague, um, schoolmate, somebody that maybe it's your best friend that you've been connected to for 25 years. But you're going to send messages every day to two people or call them. So that fulfills your balance. And then you're going to go into business. You're going to learn something new each day. You're going to post it, declare it, or teach it. So it could be from a podcast, a book, a magazine article. It could be a YouTube video. It could be something that you teach me just in a conversation. So teachable moments are very important. And once you do these types of routines, I really believe that the core four is something that all people can practice and it doesn't take extra money. It just takes your time. Mm. And I just want to practice one of mine right now. I'm very um, grateful for our constituency, the Life Alive tribe. And I am telling everyone that's listening to this podcast that I'm very grateful for you to tune in, to take a part of the, your day to... Um, to remember that uh, we all go through what you may go, be going through right now. We all hurt and we all have to find a way to take personal responsibility and heal. So just by you being on the podcast today, Jim, I am, um, I am 
more grateful than I was when I woke up this morning. So I really appreciate you going through the, uh, the core four with us. That, that's <laughs> amazing. That, that le- really leads me into my next, um, my next, um, transition with you is that I want to hear your healing story. The, one of the reasons that you had contacted me was that back in, um, December, you had some sort of injury, uh, kind of unbeknownst to you of like what, what actually the cause or what, it, where it came from, uh, to your left leg, I believe. Yeah. I mean, it took me on a crazy medical journey that I wasn't really, um, ready for. I mean, all the things I share with you, I was doing <laughs> previous to the inner injury too. So I, I don't know what I actually did to trigger, mm-hmm. um, my, my body to, uh, to dysfunction the way that it did. Mm. And that's just the point is that life happens. And sometimes we are blindsided. Would you say you were blindsided by this? Totally not not expecting something like this to happen. Well, I mean, even if it was something that happened, I didn't think it would linger for months. Mm. Um, You know, the body is always in a state of flux and the body's always, uh, you know, in a state of, um, disease or at a state of ease. And we don't always have the snapshot of what's going on with our health on a day-to-day basis. We just do our best. We wake up and we follow our routines. And I didn't realize how something could have taken over my, um, my mental capacity and my physical capacity in such a short time. So yeah, it was something that blindsided me, especially because I was living a very chiropractic centered lifestyle. And it was uh, very strange to me that all of a sudden something like this had happened. It it almost, Dr. Ryan almost felt like somebody put a spell on me. Yeah. So in four months, what, when we met the other day and, and we were talking, you said within a span of four months, you, you went from absolutely thriving loving life. You, you, like you were saying, you were, you were doing a lot of wellness practices, getting adjusted in four months, you went from thriving to near suicidal. So can you start in December and, and take us through the journey of what happened? Yeah. You know, I, I sustained this injury where I didn't know really what happened. I just knew that my leg started to lack um, sensation in it. And my foot was starting to feel like it was going numb. And anyways, I went the medical route. Um, I went the acupuncture route. I went chiropractic route. I was getting acupuncture, dry needling. I was um, just staying super hydrated. I was getting massaged two to three times a week, doing ultrasound. Um, I even went and did some experimental pain management stuff called lithotripsy, which is shockwave therapy. Um, I went and saw an MD, and they referred me to get MRI. I went and got MRI, got x-ray. Um, Any findings of significance there? Um, there were type of pain that, that you were experiencing. Well, you, you know, 70% of people with bulge discs don't have any symptoms. So I only believe so much of 
any anything that has to do with a bulge disc. I mean, probably everybody listening to this right now will have a bulge disc of some somewhere in their spine. So, you know, from from that standpoint, it's really hard for me to believe anything on imagery unless it's like a protruding like you know level three like herniation Mm -hmm. and and there were two small herniations in my low back l4 l5 l5 s1 which were like level one out of three herniation or or bulges Mm -hmm. and like i said most people that experience that type of bulge don't have any symptoms um anyways i could have been the you know unlucky 30 percent that had symptoms from it so i went the medical route after i tried you know, like I said, dry needling and acupuncture and massage and lithotripsy and all these other things. Um, chiropractic adjustments, obviously. Um, ultrasound, you know, you you name it. I was trying the therapies. I'm like, throw everything at me. Mm-hmm. Um, it, still was, it still wasn't getting better. About how long did you, did that go on from December to, and did your condition continue to worsen? Yeah, and it was... Uh, I, I mean, I thought things would stabilize and I thought that things would get better, mm-hmm. but I could, I mean, sleeping was becoming a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, walking to the bathroom was becoming a challenge. Um, I mean, even doing laundry was a challenge and doing dishes was a challenge and going to get mail was a challenge. And, you know, I started to become dependent on people to like, you know, get me food and I was becoming dependent on people to, to, to help me. And, uh, you know, being somebody that doesn't want that, it started to have a, an effect on me mentally. And I started being less desirable to be around because my attitude started to shift and I started to become a little bit um, triggered with uh, with how I felt. And, you know, my personality started to take uh, de- deteriorate a little bit. And uh, anyways, I went and saw an MD and I, uh, I wanted to go to work because I work and I go do uh, marketing events for chiropractors and I had jobs coming up and I couldn't just like not work. So I was like, what do I need to do to like be able to fly and to go work and stand on my feet for, you know, 10 hours a day for the next three days. Mm -hmm. And anyways, the doc was like, Hey, I'm going to get you a prescription for prednisone. So I don't even know what the hell this drug is, but I'm like, if it's going to help me and, reduce my pain and let me go to work, then I'll take it. So I'm like every other American Mm -hmm. or everybody else in the world that like, I just want outcome. So I'm like, if I'm going to get a positive outcome and I'm going to be able to like be functioning again, sure. Tell me what to take. I'm going to take it. So I did, um, went to work, um, was brutal. Um, I mean, there was like probably about 20% reduction in my pain and symptoms, but it just wasn't really helping. Um, came back, saw the MD again, and he's like, um, I'm going to get you a cortical steroid injections. And I'm like, that's not really what I want. It's not what I do. It's, a part, it's, it's against the grain of my belief systems. But if it's going to help me heal, then let's do it. So anyways, I went and got the, the steroid injections and um, went to work again the following weekend. Um, maybe... 20 to 30 percent better lack of pain but really didn't do anything more of a placebo effect i think and uh things just weren't getting better and um when i was away working this weekend 
um, I got a phone call from my brother told me that uh, my eldest brother had died hmm. and I was already physically damaged and now I'm emotionally damaged. And uh, this is the weekend when they shut the world down as well back in uh, March. And they're like, hey, um, government orders, um, groups of less than 500 people can't be together. And within an hour, groups of 250 people can't be together. And within the next hour, we have to shut down all of all events where there's people, parties, I think it was less than 50. And anyways, I, I got all this news and all of a sudden I couldn't work. My brother passed away and I, I had to switch my travel plans from flying back to driving to Iowa now for a funeral. And during that time home, uh, you know, another emotional hit. Um, we, we buried my brother and my mom went to the funeral with me that day and um, she passed away the next day unexpectedly. And it was just one, one hit after another. Um, the economy starts to rip away from my work that I'm accustomed to doing. I mean, I've been shut down from making, you know, at this point, um, over a hundred thousand dollars in income. So I had to learn how to reestablish myself financially. I had to deal with loss of loved ones and I had to learn how to recover from some type of physical ailment that I had no idea what the hell was happening. Hmm. And this obviously was a low point for you. Um, I'm so sorry to hear about your brother and your mother. Um, that is n unthinkable uh, to have such uh, important people in our lives pass away. So let alone uh, pass away at all that so close to each other. Um, where, where did you turn after this? Was there, and, and, and by the way, before we go on, I just want to, I know that this is reaching someone that, is listening because despite what the shutdowns and what all the things were that happened, um, this is the reality is that, uh, this, um, these shutdowns and these regulations, uh, uh, for what the virus is actually turning out to be has, has destroyed many, many lives and life, other things. This is a testament to other things in life are happening on top of, you know, all the, the, the shutdowns and everything that we've been through. So I know that as a nation and as a world, you know, this is a really um, interesting point in time, a crossroads in time where, we're, where we are all hurting. And I just want to acknowledge you and, and say that, um, you know, I, I'm thinking of, of you during this process, as far as you still healing from, from those things. Um, tell us, tell us what happened, take us into what happened next. Well, yeah, you know, um, at this point, I had a, an amazing relationship um, with uh, my girlfriend and uh, the whole shutdown of the world happened. I have death in my family and I felt like, you know, the most important thing for me to do is just to like be by myself and heal. And uh, that kind of uh, tore my um, relationship with my girlfriend apart. So... Anyways, I, I, I really worked on personal development and self-development and getting out of pain and building stability back into my life and finding new ways to interact with the world around me. And anyways, my body didn't heal quick. And um, 
I was still dealing with this injury. I came um, back home from being on the road. I, I'd been traveling for months on end. Anyways, I came back home when everything shut down. And uh, I started the healing journey. And I just rested a lot. <laughs> and I was doing yoga every day. I did 21 straight days of yoga in um, April. And on day like 21, I did something and I felt a pop in my low back and I relapsed to like the worst pain that I've ever felt in my life. So from like April 21st to April 25th, this was the time where I was having like thoughts of suicide and I just wasn't feeling good. I had to eat from my knees. Um, I, I couldn't walk to the bathroom. And I called up my friend out here um, in Grand Junction, who's a chiropractor, and I said, hey, Nick, can you come out and adjust me? Um, I don't feel like I can make it in. And anyways, he brought his table to my house, adjusted me. And at this point, I was like, Nick, I'll do anything that you tell me to do. I just, I'm not feeling like mentally strong. And anyways, he checked on me like two or three times a day for the next, you know, 72 hours. And he's like, Hey, I want you to go see my friend, uh, Mike, who's a, a microcurrent therapist. And I'm like, dude, just set up the appointment for me. I was like, I don't care what it is or who it is. And if you tell me it's going to help me, I'm going to trust you. I'm just going to go. Anyways, um, I go see Mike and he does this microcurrent therapy on me. And it was amazing how quickly I rebounded from a point of, I think I'm going to like, die to a point where I found that that next day I went and hiked for my first time in months. I went and hiked, I think it was four miles. And the fall the day before that I could barely walk to the bathroom. Wow. So anyways, what is, what I, I is microcurrent therapy just in your own words. If, so people can get a taste of what that is like, like when you went and describe the process, so we can get a picture. Um, well, Mike will tell you I was a miracle story. Okay. Um, he, he said that the reason that I probably healed so quickly is because of the lifestyle that I practiced so frequently. Um, he told me that my body was really tuned for it. But um, it's basically they, they, they put electric current through you at a low frequency based on symptomatology that they can dial in these these uh, frequencies for. So it's this microcurrent low frequency electricity that flows through your body and really helps repair tissue. I don't know how it happens. I don't know what happens. But anyways, Mike had been doing this stuff for 17 years and the guy's a master. So I don't know if all microcurrent therapists are created equal, but anyways, Mike um, was a savior. And I know a lot of people were praying for me and so many people were like spiritual warriors for me. So I, I think a lot of it had to do with a culmination of things. But um, anyways, I, I went and saw Mike for the next, uh, what was it? April, May and June. I went and saw Mike um, for two months and I saw him probably about 10 times. And um, in May, I hiked 78 miles. And May, June, July, collectively, I hiked, 
in 90 days, 300 miles. So we're talking about a miracle story of a guy that could barely walk to the bathroom, eating from his knees, wanting to kill himself, to now celebrating life at his highest levels, um, now traveling again. And I, I'm so full of life and excitement and love. And, you know, even when you're on your worst day, it can get better. And that's like my, my, my healing story for people is if they want to find um, – if they want to find a better quality of life, they just have to keep on seeking. And the first door that you knock that might not be the right door. The second door you go to might not be the right door, but don't give up. And it, it could be microcurrent. It could be acupuncture. It could be, you know, aquatic therapy. It could be anything, you know, mm -hmm. but I, th I think that there's something for everybody out there and healing is, uh, it's, it's a very misunderstood part of existence. What do you mean by that? Well, you don't realize how to heal yourself. No, there's like no, like people like becoming like wealthy. There's no real financial literacy. Hmm. When people, when people want to be healthy, there's no like health and wellness literacy course. Hmm. Like there's no like playbook on how to take care of yourself when this happens. That's why we go to the doctor. Hmm. So, I, I believe that the healing journey is one of um, we have to become literate and we have to become um, fluent in different modalities of health and wellness. And I, I, I never, I just think that people aren't educated on um, self-preservation mm -hmm. and people wait till something like has a code red to it to actually go do something about it. And I think that that's really what was a big part of my healing journey. What made it like exponentially better was I wasn't code reading myself. Something just happened to me and I had some, some type of phantom occurrence that I don't know how to explain, but I, I think that if we had better understanding of this is what you do to be a, a healthier individual, we won't be in the crisis that we're in where everybody's afraid and sick or think that they're going to get sick. I think people would have a lot better um, positioning for understanding that if they just took care of themselves, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be afraid of other people not taking care of themselves. Yeah. And what I'm hearing in that, and just me being a chiropractor myself is the first thing people want to know is if they feel like they're in the right place, they well before that they want to, they feel, they want to feel heard. I know that I, myself, if I had something happen to me that I would want someone to understand or, or at least listen to me and uh, feel with me what I'm going through. And then the other part to that is that people want to know if they're in the right place. And then after they feel comfortable that they're in the right place and we've built some rapport and trust, what I find that people get hung up on the most and that you didn't necessarily get hung up on Jim because you'd been living a holistic wellness chiropractic lifestyle before is they get hung up on the, why did this happen to me? And what that leads to in my own experience is a victim mindset. It's, Oh, woe is me? Why did this happen to me? And what I hear you saying is that you didn't focus on the why as much because there's just so much uh, spiritual and emotional and physical healing and, and balance to be gained around the what do you do after that thing happened to you? 
And then my experience has been that when people get through the worst of it, like you are on the other side of today, I'm sure that you have at least lessons that are still coming to you from this experience and maybe understand now a little bit more of the, the why, or that may be yet to be revealed. But is, is that what you're saying is that what, um, was it Nick that was the microtherapist, the, the uh, microtherapist? Mike, Mike, it it was Mike saying that what you had done well before you coming to this point, it was actually preparing you to to rebound even better. Is that what he was picking up on? Well, the the truth is um, my girlfriend was in touch with Nick, the chiropractor out here, Mm -hmm. and she was telling him that I needed to go in for a surgical consult. Mm-hmm. And she's a chiropractor too. Mm-hmm. And, and she's like, we've done everything we can at this point to help Jim. And Jim's not healing. Um, we probably have to consider getting him a surgical consult. Like I was a day away from a surgical consult. Yeah. And that's when Nick was like, hey, I'm going to introduce you to Mike. And Mike was like, yeah, you're probably one of the worst cases I've ever seen, but I think I can save you from getting surgery. And I'm like, well, just tell me how much it costs and I'll just keep showing up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's kind of the, the truth of it all is um, I just had to trust and I kept showing up and I kept improving and I didn't go for a surgical consult. And I'm still, like you said, I, I'm still like at a very heightened state of awareness knowing that, well, can I do that type of workout? Should I lift those types of things? Should I do this type of activity? Um, but I mean, last weekend I saw you, um, I did 21 interviews in a day. The weekend before that I helped move a friend, um, to a huge house, a five bedroom home. And I helped load a truck and unload a truck and load a truck and unload a truck. And, Next weekend, I'll be hiking a 14,000-foot mountain. And like I said, I hiked 300 miles in 90 days. So I think, you know, the limitation is just of the mind at this point and being mindful of um, how I interact with the world around me. But, yeah, I I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm still at that, that, that juncture of I know that I'm powerful. I know that I'm capable but back in the a little dark corner of my mind says, um, be careful. <laughs> mm, yeah, absolutely. And that is, uh, you know, finding that balance between uh, perhaps some doubt and some of the, un, you know, we all need some uncertainty in our life or that no matter if we try to control the situation or our lifestyle, things can just happen. And that's the uncertainty of life. But it seems like you had a lot, of, you have a lot of certainty going forward in some of the practices um, you know, core four being one to practice to help you heal and fully resolve this. Is that what, what would you t- say to someone out there who um, who doesn't have some of those strategies? Um, I would tell people to start very simple and um, pray at your meals. Mm. Find some spiritual grounding. Go attend church. Um, maybe not for the biblical aspects of it, but for the community aspects of it. Mm. Um, I would say to people to um, create a personal mission statement and find out what their real values are. 
and to start a mantra and listen, record themselves on the, their their little voice recorder on their phone or a voice recorder and listen to their personal mission statement and their values every day so they can remind themselves who they really are and what they really value in this world and within themselves. Um, spiritual grounding is something that's very important. And uh, yeah, I mean, being um, consistent with your healthy habits, um, drinking half your body weight in ounces of water every day is so important. Um, making sure you eat something green or drink something green every day for your diet is so important. Um, boosting your immune system with taking proper supplementation is so important. So I think self-preservation and personal responsibility, finding spirituality, and, you know, maybe try reading a book. Um, you know, find, find out what really, like, your values are and do that and connect with people. I can't tell you how valuable it's been for me to send messages to people every day. And, you know, I guess an exercise would be is go three months out and find 90 people in your cell phone and send 90 different people you haven't talked to consistently a message and just say, hey, man, I've been thinking about you. How's everything going? And you'll be amazed how you can spark up some amazing friendships from people that you're connected with that may have gone uh, flat. And I think, you know, connecting with people is so huge. And my, my values are adventure, connection, and leadership. So if I can find ways to stoke those flames each day with adventure, connection, and leadership, then I'm building out my ideal day. And I think when people really understand what their value system is, um, they're going to be able to then frame their day around what they really enjoy. So today I'm getting a chance to be a leader with my voice with you. Um, I'm getting a chance to connect with you and your audience and, you know, with, with adventure, I think telling a story can take us all on an amazing journey and it doesn't always have to be what we do with our bodies. Sometimes it's what we do with our voice and sometimes it's what we do with our minds. There's adventure in many things. It's not just, I hiked a mountain today. It could be my my story is an adventure for somebody else to fill their heart up with a a, a moment of positivity and, and truth. So it's all how we frame it, man. Yeah, I agree. Um, I want to go back and just say that, um, you know, what now you being through this and, you know, I know that a lot has happened in your life this last year. Uh were some of those values, what what memories and what values um, were instilled? Uh, you can see by your biography that you really, really love your mother. What would what values and what um, what do you carry on in her memory in your life? Um, appreciate the question. I mean, I grew up dirt poor. I'm the youngest of five. I wasn't supposed to be an educated man. I struggled with dyslexia and learning um, complications as a young man. I was in special classes. Um, I'm the first to get a college degree of my five siblings. I mean, I've traveled the world. And uh, most of the kids in my neighborhood that grew up and made anything of themselves, it's because they um, started families. I don't have a family, never been married, no kids. So... I had a different journey and 
you know, my mom, I, I believe she was always really proud of me. Um, I excelled in sports. Like I said, I was the first to get a college degree. I was the first to travel the world. And uh, I just know that epigenetics plays a huge role in my life. And I have the power of a positive mind. And, you know, like I always say in my bio, I'm just the kid from Iowa that loves his mom. And uh, now my mom's not here, so I carry on my own flame to inspire others. And uh, I still know that I was a kid that ran the streets as a teenager and got in trouble when I was 18 and learned that I can turn everything around as long as I have a good attitude and work hard. And uh, I think, you know, that honors my mother um, in life or in death. And uh, now I just, you know, as a turning 42 October 1st, uh, I'll be 42 and have another year to bless myself and others with, with my knowledge. And, you know, I, I just use my, uh, my force of light, my force of knowledge for good. And I think that would make my mom really, really proud of me. And it was never a pride thing. It was just, I always wanted to do right by her. So, you know, I'm, I'm just a simple human, but I have some very, very um, powerful motivators inside of me. And one of those was always to, to be a good son. So, mm. you know. Yeah. And um, I really appreciate you sharing and, and with that, um, we're coming to the end of the hour. I'm going to ask you a question um, of some going back to something you said earlier, just piqued my curiosity. You were talking about, um, you know, documenting is very important and people in the future will have this interview to look back at and learn something from. So, you know, with everything that's going on in the world, this too shall pass and we will find our flow again in life and we will uh, we will become more resilient by reconnecting back with each other. And I just want to fast forward to, let's say it's it's 2020 now, let's say 2030 in 10 years, fast forward to the future. What would you want people to remember about this opportunity in time and in history? What would you want them to focus on if they have to go sit through something like this again? These are very easy ideas and very direct. Your face is yours. Your mind is yours. Your body is yours. And if you want to control your face, your mind, and your body, then do it. If you don't, then someone else will do it for you. And if you don't tell your story to people, then chances are someone up will make one up about you. And I think that you have to tell your story and become someone of value and know that you have direct ownership of your domain, which is your body and your mind. And the mind is the last frontier that the world wants to own. So you have to own your own. And I think that those things are going to stand the test of time. And I really believe that right now, more than ever, that you have to own your face, you have to own your mind, and you have to own your body. 
and no one else has any domain over that but you. And I think that if anybody ever heard anything else I ever said and it didn't matter, what I just said is the most important thing that I could tell anybody right now. Indeed, face, mind, and body. There you have it. And I love that you said the mind is the last frontier. I'm going to be reflecting on that for many days to come. So I just want to acknowledge you, Jim, for the year that you've been through. I want to uh, make sure that I recognize the the pain that you have gone through. And I want to recognize you for stepping up and being a leader today on the Life Alive podcast and for the family, for the tribe, because there is someone that is going to be hearing this and they're going to stop and they're going to remember that they own their face and their mind and their body and they can choose a different way if they so choose to do that. So I really appreciate you being on the podcast today and um, many blessings to you to come. Yeah. And I just want to close by saying one last thing is that sometimes, sometimes you have to step into your pain and love your pain and own your pain because once again, that's yours as well. I 100% agree. You have to feel it to heal it. And it's hard to step into, but it perhaps can be a wound that can become your greatest gift and your greatest uh, source of leadership and and, um, and um, source of energy in life uh, once you make it through. So, Well, Dr. Dr. Ryan, they also told me that I would become more empathetic after I got feeling stronger. And I was like, BS, I'm already empathetic. I don't need more empathy but I didn't realize that my greatest gift would become more empathetic through what I had to endure. Well, thank you for enduring. And I'm so glad that you're still here. Yeah. And I appreciate you having me on as your guest today. And uh, I just want everybody to uh, have a blessed um, day and take care of themselves and take care of your last frontier, which is your mind. Thanks, man. And there we grow again, Life Alive Tribe. I'm so grateful you stopped by to reawaken your hope, purpose, and passion about this one life we have to live. It's time for the Life Alive sound off, and it goes like this. No matter where you are right now, it's time to pick your chin up, roll your shoulders back, and say, I choose to live a life totally alive. Now it's your turn, my friends, to heal, grow, and find your flow into a life that has meaning. Love, love. We'll see you next time.